Welcome to Lessons for Leaders. In honour of Children's Mental Health Week, I'm sharing with you a little bit of the reasons why I am so passionate about mental health and children's health in particular, even though I choose to work predominantly with adults in uh, organisations. But I'm sharing some top tips with you about how you can talk at every opportunity, how you can very easily let your young people know that you are available for them, how you can use different sentence openers to get them to talk, I share some stories about some of my experiences and how we've made them fit as well. And top tips on how you can boost their self-esteem. Welcome to the Lessons for Leaders podcast. Each week I bring you lessons, learnings, tips and advice to enable you to lead with ease in business without the stress, doubt and overwhelm so that I help you to increase your performance, to be resilient and thrive in life. I'm Emma Langton, your host, leadership coach and wellbeing trainer, helping you and your workforce increase performance and make the impact that you want in the world. Throughout February, you'll hear me talk about International Women's Day, which takes place on the 8th of March. I've had organisations get in touch with me to ask what I can do to help them support uh, and promote International Women's Day. And the theme this year for 2022 is Break the Bias. So... Obviously, International Women's Day is very much about a gender equal world, but where I am focusing it on is about a world free from bias and discrimination, which is relevant to uh, mental health and well-being, and a world where difference is valued and celebrated. I have speaker sessions and workshops that will help you to be able to change the bias around stress, mental health and well-being so that in your organisation you can be sending that message across where people can create trust, remove the stigma so that people can be themselves, they create more inclusion, more belonging and then you get a workforce that works better, higher productivity and more inclusive. If you want to know about what we can do together, please do get in touch with me, emma at emmalankton.com and let's set up a call to talk about how I can help you. For today's episode, we're talking about tips for children's mental health. Now, I'm going to do a complete brain dump for you on this episode and I really hope that you do get some value from it. What you may not know is that what got me into all of the coaching and well-being work that I do right now is it's it's all my kids' fault. <laughs> so, for those of you that don't know, 15 years ago I adopted two girls and uh, they came with many more issues than we ever knew were even possible and we definitely weren't made aware of them which just goes to show 
about the naivety really around children's mental health and trauma. However, what happened with all of this was that I then began to find out about how I could help these kids, thinking that I could fix everything. Keep that phrase in your mind for later because, well, I'll just tell you now, we can't fix everything. So wrap your brain around that. We cannot fix everything. We can't fix everything with our kids, adopted or not, but I'm going to tell you how we can help. However, I thought I could fix things and that we could just do things to make things better. And in finding out how to help them, I learned about attachment, about trauma, about how our brains work, about how we develop as human beings from a very early age and what affects those worries, anxieties and causes trauma, but also how we can help people and young people get through this. Now, it all made perfect sense to me at the time. There was loads of light bulb moments going off and I thought for a while, I can do this. But what was also apparent was that the thing that I couldn't do was to continue in my corporate career and be there for the extensive needs that my kids had. So, cutting a long story short, I had to give up my corporate job. I retrained in the hope that these kids would go to school at some point. Um, I'm not sure we ever fully managed full-time education with both of them at the same time, but that's another story. And I originally began to train as a child children's therapist. But within a year, I realised that actually that was probably a bit daft because, you know, living with tricky kids and working with tricky kids was not really going to be a doable environment, quite honestly. But it helped me learn a lot. Not just for how I can help my kids, but then when I went on to learn about NLP and coaching and then decided to work with uh, people that were struggling in corporate environments around well-being and performance and anxieties and burnout and things, what that meant was then I could bring all these skills in. So you might be wondering why I'm rambling on about this. Well, it's Children's Mental Health Week this week and one in six children and young people have been diagnosed with a mental health problem and many more are struggling with the challenges as a result of COVID and uh, the wider effects that have happened, particularly over the last two years. Just uh, note in point, before COVID it was one in eight children or young people. 50% of young people with mental health problems first experience those symptoms by the age of 14. So I want you to know that this is not growing pains. You know that it's not always just a phase. But this is why we need to equip young people with the skills to build emotional resilience, mental resilience, to improve their well-being and to manage their emotions. So as I said, this is a bit of a brain dump. I hope I've got it into some semblance of a bit of format for you uh, with my rough notes. But here's a lot of the things that we did and not just that we did, but with the, some of the reasons behind it. So you may be able to pick out a couple of things. Do you know what? If you pick out one thing from this podcast today and can use it with your kids or some young people that you talk to, then 
that's winning at life, quite honestly. If you share this podcast with somebody, that's even better because then that's going to help somebody else. So the first thing is about talking. I know there's been loads about, oh, there was time to talk to her last week and, oh, we need to talk to our kids, etc. God is life really busy. I am so realistic and you know that you get good old Yorkshire straight talking from me. Life is busy. Find opportunities when you can talk. It's so easy to have the telly on, the radio on, there's people are stuck in their heads in phones and things like that. You see loads of restaurants these days. Oh, somebody gets 10% off their bill if they put, oh, everybody puts their phone down or da 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 da. All these kind of incentives for people to put their phone down. You could do something like that, you know. Um, first person to pick up the phone gets to do the washing up. I don't know as long as somebody's prepared to do the washing up. But think of something, you know, that makes it fun, makes it enjoyable a little bit as best you can. When you take each and every opportunity to be able to talk, you're not just talking, you're creating connections. Now, we had to work really hard with specific uh, games and activities and times in the day to create that connection because we didn't have connections with our kids. They'd grown up with somebody else and with other people that really didn't have connections with them either. And what they thought was a decent connection was not really a decent connection. So we had to work really, really hard with that. When they were very young, we made sure that we read bedtime stories to them. And we did stupid voices too because some of that connection comes from having fun and from laughter and from having a go at things and also from not um, being worried about looking silly or being daft. My husband still does an amazing voice for the witch on Room on the Broom that we still laugh about and they're 18 and 20 now. It's really easy to give them an iPad for a story or put on, well, we used to put on, I mean, I kid you not, honestly, we did used to put on in the night garden an hour earlier so that we could get them to bed earlier on the really tough days. So I'm not saying we were all singing and dancing and like blooming Mary Poppins with everything, but we worked hard to get that connection in there as well. But it might be about chatting to them on the way home from school or to school. It might be about going for coffees, especially with teens, you know, it's trendy now. Um, But it's making time for those connections. Also, food, certainly for our girls, but for most people, is incredibly connecting. It's incredibly calming. It's incredibly sensory and soothing. And when we get all of those sensory aspects, which I went to this brilliant um, occupational therapist person who'd um, expanded her practice into masses of sensory activities that were really calming and regulating for kids. But food and drink is calming and regulating because, you know, when you've got that baby and um, you were feeding that baby in the early days, usually you were making eye connections with them, you were going and going and just staring at them in wonder and awe of how beautiful they were and how amazing and God, goodness knows, did I make this child and da-da-da, you still need to be doing all of that. Um, 
I'm never here for more on your to-do list. So with anything, whether it's about kids, whether it's about performance in organisations, I'm never here to add more on your to-do list. It's kind of one of my strap lines, if you like, but one of my USPs. Um, so doing some of these things, getting these, what I like to call little pockets of connection and little pockets of time for chat are far more valuable than kind of, you know, setting aside one whole day a week. There's nothing wrong in doing that either, by the way. If they're in a mood, you know, so let's think school-edged children, you know, or if they're in a mood or they've had a rough day, these connection times, you can get them talking, but it's also get them talking so you can change or they can change their perspective. So the kids would often come home and say their day was absolutely terrible. Oh, it was awful. Head in hands, you know, slamming head on the, in, on the table in the kitchen, you know, covering the faces, all of that stuff. Very dramatic. And when we unpicked it, it would, we would find that maybe it was just the last lesson. Or maybe it was just that last playtime. Or it was some other little pocket again in the day. But when you have time for those conversations and you listen and you understand and you, um, I'll, I'll come to how you can get information out of them in a second, but you can help them th to see with that conversation that it wasn't all of the day. So they, they don't end up with this all or nothing, doom and gloom thing and a kind of cup half empty viewpoint of things. But when you are talking to them as well, you know, you can make it fun. You can make it interactive. Oh, hang on. So let me just recap. In your day, so this happened, is that right? And then this happened and that was kind of okay. And then at lunch, you did this. But that was a terrible day. Oh, I see. And now, that's not sarcasm. If you use the right tone of voice and the right facial expressions, and even if you do a bit of the dramatic hand language that they were doing, you're online with the way that they are communicating with you. But then you can go, so shall I just ask that question again? How was your day? Oh, it was quite good, except the last lesson was just awful. And you'd like some time to moan about that. Yeah, no problem, darling. Shall I get a biscuit while we do that? Do you see? So you're changing that perspective. So listen to them. And don't push for information. Just listen and be available. So if they have had a really bad day and they storm off upstairs and they don't want to talk about it or whatever, right? Or they're on your Xbox or PlayStation or, you know, whatever it is, wherever it is that they zone out, because let's face it, that's what they are doing. They're zoning out from feelings. But when they zone out from feelings, you, we are not teaching them how to deal with those feelings. But it's don't push. Just be available. Pop your head around the door, you know, give them a cup of tea. I'll just let you, I'm just in the kitchen. If you want to come and chat to me, you know, whenever you're ready. Um, I'll be around, um, you know, after tea, doing the washing up, if you want to come and chat to me then. And if you're really good, you can hand them the dishcloth. Whatever. But let them know I'm here for you. When you're listening to them, when you're talking to them, use their words, not yours. So don't put words in their mouth. So there was this teacher that my eldest, Keeley, she would um, often have really difficult times at school. 
She'd have, often have really difficult times every day anywhere she was, quite frankly. Um, but this teacher would go, oh, I think she's just out of sorts today. And so then Kay would say, yeah, yeah, I'm out of sorts. <laughs> I'm like, brilliant. We're not going to find out what's really going on here now, are we? At all. Because that teacher gave us some words that she could use that then just covered up the real thing. So we never got to the bottom of it. So please try really hard not to even generalise with things like out of sorts, bad day, you know, oh, it was it just tough today. If they're really little, get them to draw their feelings and then comment on, oh, that looks very heavy. Oh, that seems a dark patch there and things like that. So you can use descriptive words that might then also translate to some of the feelings. I said I'd say to you about how we're getting them to talk. Now, I also use this when I talk with organisations too. But some of the sentence openers that we use, you know, the who, what, where, why, when, they um, kind of send off a bit of an alert mechanism at the front of our brain. And for a lot of people um, who are trying to cover up or are feeling um, sad and upset or ashamed, ashamed is huge, ashamed means people want to hide, they'll go into a defensive mechanism. So who, what, where, why, when sends you into a defensive mechanism. So instead, use I'm wondering. And if you use I'm wondering in like this nice singing songy type voice, where you are generally wondering and sound like you're a little bit interested and maybe tilt your head on one side, then it definitely calms down that front bit of the brain and it gets kids in particular but people generally to talk to you because they're not being defensive if they give you one little nugget and you can go tell me more so for example and I think I shared this on another podcast um so youngest is now 18 but 17 and she was really really struggling with something really struggling with something to do with her driving and she said well if this doesn't happen then I'm just going to do And I was like, whoa, 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 in my head. And then went, I'm wondering what's made you say that little bit there. Help me understand. Tell me more about. So you're digging, but you're digging in a really curious and interested way rather than a kind of demanding, forceful kind of way. So those three key phrases, I'm wondering, tell me more and help me understand are the best sentence openers you can use to have your children talk to you to be able to get information out of them. And it works at any age and it works with partners and um, people at work too. Tell stories. Now I spoke on the last podcast about the power of telling stories, but telling stories particularly with children helps them understand So you might have, oh, when I was little, I used to think. Or you can literally have like, once upon a time, when I was a bit older than you, when I was younger than you, I once had a friend about your age. And so that when you are saying this, you are demonstrating you are not alone. I once felt like that too. I know what you mean. And over time, things change. 
And it's hugely important for young people to begin to learn these things. So when they are struggling, I've talked a little bit again about sensory aspects that soothe and calm and so that we can teach self-regulation. Now, when I talk about self-regulation, that isn't really saying you need to calm down because if they've never learned how to calm down or if they are a highly sensory person as my youngest was, they don't know how to do it and they can be at any age and still not know how to do it or struggle to do it because the feelings are too big. So again, you can see, you know, with your children that this is going to come and go. It's going to ebb and flow depending where they are in age, depending where they are in school stuff, depending where they are on hormonal and growth and friendships and all sorts of things. One thing that I do with this is, as I say to my friends, bear with me on this one, is channel your inner Sybil. Now, for those that are kind of my age, which I'm not revealing what that is, but, you know, old enough to have a 20-year-old, you may remember Faulty Towers. And on Faulty Towers, uh, Mr. Faulty's wife was called Sybil. And whilst there was chaos and um, tantrums and all sorts going off around, she would be there on the phone and she would just be going, oh, I know, oh, I know, oh, I know. Now, the reason that I say to do that and to channel your inner Sybil is because there was one time and I was there rocking this five-year-old child that was having an absolute tantrum, quite honestly, and really unable to regulate and having such a lot of distress. And I'm just rocking. There was, I'm not saying any words. Because if we go, oh, don't be silly, or calm down, or don't worry, or never mind, we are dismissing things. So you want phrases that are non-judgmental. Oh, it's hard. That's hard. You're okay. It's okay. I know. They're there. Now, now. Do you see what I mean? And you've probably already done this. You know, so I'm not patronising you, but you've probably already done this. But we can forget to do it as kids get older. We do do it when they're a small baby, when we do that patting and rocking and things like that, when we're crying. But even if they're having a teenage tantrum, you know, and you do that, I know, I know, gosh, that's hard, really, okay, uh uh-huh, yeah, Mm mm-hmm, oh. You can even do it with adults that are ranting in your office. And so my friends say, oh, Emma, I channeled my inner Sybil. And what it does is it helps us to stay really, really calm because we're not drawn into fixing the the situation and the relationship. But also then that person feels heard, they are not dismissed and they calm down faster. Honestly, it's amazing. The first time I did it, I was like, oh my gosh. The other way that you can help generate conversations in a calming and soothing way is with side-by-side conversations. So it might be while you walk into the park or to and from school, if that's the age of your kids. It might be with cooking or baking or washing up or, you know, just doing some other task or activity. But what you're doing, the focus on this is about removing the eye contact. So remember I said the who, what, where, why sends off defensiveness in the brain? Well, when we are looking at people, when we do the look at me when I'm talking to you thing... (laughs) 
That eye contact can be really scary for people because then when they're feeling ashamed, they're not sure what they're going to see. We often used car journeys. So hubby, Andy, used to take the oldest one to uh, rugby. So she's sat in the back of the car in the child seat and he's sat in the front. And, you know, she would he would have conversations with her and she would come up with all sorts of things. It was very revealing very revealing you have to make sure you're off sound mind that they're not going to get something that's so revealing you're going to make it crash the car i mean we had some mega reveals quite honestly um but i would also do it with um with jade as well so we were doing it in a kind of one-on-one and it's not confrontational and that can be really helpful in finding out things and then especially when you blend it with you know, um, help me understand, I'm wondering, tell me more, da-da-da stuff. Oh, that's hard, okay? Help them too to figure out their own struggles because this builds resilience. So, you know, when we've got their help me understand and you've calmed them down and they're a bit more regulated, what would be an ideal situation with this? So some of those sort of coaching questions, you know, that are a bit open-ended, But what would be an ideal situation? So gets them thinking about big picture thinking and goals and dreams. Now, you can ask this with four-year-olds, 10-year-olds, 14-year-olds, 24-year-olds, 44-year-olds. But it gets them looking at goals and dreams, but it also gives you a window into their world. All right? Is there anything else that they can do? Is there anything else you think you can do in this situation? Now that we've talked about it a bit, I'm wondering, is there anything else? And it gets them out of the catastrophe and doom and gloom. Now, you can't do this too quickly in this scenario because they need to be calm about it. You know, otherwise they just want to go and say, I'm going to go and chop somebody's head off or I'm going to go and whatever it is that they're ranting about and terrible things that they'll do. You can also then do the, can I help with anything? So that they have a choice, they feel supported, but they also own their stuff and you are assisting rather than doing. You know as well, the other thing that I say to people an awful lot, because sometimes you don't have to do anything. What I say to people an awful lot is, do you remember when they're really, really little and they're kind of pulling at your sleeve? You know, you've maybe a play group or um, one of those um, play band places and, you know, you're having a cuppa with some other parents and they're off playing. And um, they're nagging at your sleeve. Mum, 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 dad, dad, dad. Mum, 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 dad, dad, dad. And they're just on at you and on at you while you're talking. And you've done that bit about, don't interrupt me while I'm talking and all that. And they're not getting it. So clearly it's really important. And then you turn to them and you go, yes, darling. I mean, I get it that sometimes you just go, what? You're interrupting. But you turn to them in whatever shape or form you manage to do at whatever point of that day, right? I'm real, remember, right? And they go, oh, so-and-so, da-da-da-da-da. And then they just trot off. And you think, is that it? Really? Is that all that they wanted to tell me? And they stood there for five minutes, tugging a hole in my sleeve. Now, it might not seem much to you, but to them, it could be huge. So do make sure that with all of this, you remember to stand in their shoes. If your child is low with self-esteem, 
then find ways to say that you like the way that they did things. Not that you like them as a person, but the action that they did. I like the way that you coloured in with the lines, made this bit so neat, tidied that shelf, arranged things so carefully. Or it might be, I can see that you thought carefully about how to make that bit stand out, how to fit that sentence in. I'm proud of you when you do this for doing that, for being kind, you know, for sharing your sweets with, for thinking about that other child. I love it when you. And these things are talking about the actions You know, the tasks, the activities, the gestures, the thought that these children do. Rather than it being about them as a person, because there's so much out there, isn't there, about, I mean, everything's airbrushed and fake and things, you know, people only show the good stuff. Um, So when you make it about them, the actions that they did, rather than them as a person, that then begins to generate that they do good things. And that's what boosts the self-esteem, okay? A lot of this stuff is not taught in schools. Let's just remember that. Teachers are not taught this. I could go on and on and on and on and on. This is already a longer episode, okay? But you are not supposed to be your child's therapist. You are supposed to be their parent, not even their friend, but their parent, their confidant, their safe place and the person that they come to. So however difficult it is for you to be able to see your child struggle, and I know it is going to be much harder for them. So I really hope that some of these tips are helpful to you, even if you just take away one of them. But I want to leave you as a parent or as a person that supports young people, I want to leave you with this reminder. When we set out on the road to adopt these girls, we were, once we were approved for adoption, we were sent on a parenting course to learn about some of the differences and how to deal with some of the difficulties of parenting troubled children. But one thing that they did say to us was, Um, that we needed to provide good enough parenting. So we didn't need to provide supersonic parenting, simply fantastic. It didn't need to have sparkles and unicorns and dinosaurs and fairy dust. It needed to be good enough. So please, if you're going to take something away from this, if you feel that you are good enough and you talk about yourself in a way that's good enough, then your child will hear that. And your child, you will be modelling that for your child and you will be giving that example to your child as well. So make sure that you find time for laughter, for fun, for connections. And some of these tips, I hope, are extremely helpful for you. I'll be back next week with uh, probably something much more akin to the usual episodes, but I will leave you with that for now. Have a great week.